Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. Today we are with our special guest, Robert J. Defendi at Salt Lake City Fanex. Welcome, Robert. Hi, how are you doing? So you were winning volume 19, so what was it like back then? Uh, well, I don't know how it compares to now, but it was a blast. Um, honestly, when you win Writers of the Future, I don't know how many of your uh, contestants have told you this. Uh, when you win Writers of the Future, you're treated better than um, anything else you'll ever do in your life. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, Katie, uh, Katie Wentworth, she's not with us anymore, but she was um, one of the, I think she was the first reader back then, yes. and she was one of the two, her and Tim Powers uh, conducted most of the, of the workshop back in my day. And uh, she walks over to me um, when, uh, uh, when, when I was eating, and she's like, uh, you know, when you win like a nebula, they give you like a rubbery piece, a little chicken. And we were eating, you know, like this fabulous dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel, you know. Um, it's honestly, um, the, only, the only real problem with the rest of the future is that you kind of peak on how well you're treated because nobody ever treats you that well again for the rest of, rest of your career. You have to, you know, be Brandon Sanderson to be treated that well again, you know, later in your career. So uh, speaking of career, so what's happened with your career now since the winning writers of the future? Um, I did a lot of, uh, um, I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, submissions and going through that whole run. You know, they say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success as a writer. Um, and uh, my story was kind of funny because I started writing lit RPG or something that's very similar to lit RPG uh, before that was a thing. And so um, I was doing it in 2006 and every person I submitted my first book to, Death by Cliche, every person said, I love this, I think it's hilarious, nobody else will get it. Um, so I was getting rave reviews from everybody who read it, agents, uh, uh, readers, but everybody was convinced it was unsellable, that nobody else would buy it. Um, so finally I gave up on selling, I submitted it to probably 50, 60 different locations. Couldn't get any traction. Um, and a friend of mine was trying to um, build her audio portfolio. And so she said, hey, anybody needs audio work done for free, I'm just trying to build my portfolio. So we sat down and we did a, a podcast audio book of it. Um, I dropped it, um, we got about 5,000 listeners which is about halfway to that magic, at, a, at about 10,000 is where people start noticing and you become Scott Sigler. Right. Um, so it did really well, like better than 99% of the podcast audiobooks, but it didn't quite hit the magic number where it takes off. So I was like, well, that was nice. People loved it. I got a lot of, I'm on tvtropes.org, like three or four different places because of the book. Um, that was a happy little thing in my life. So I moved on. And I had um, started putting it together to self-publish it just so that it would be out there for the people who wanted hard copies. Um, and then uh, an acquisitions editor for uh, Curiosity Quills um, listened to it on, one, uh, on a summer vacation uh, because he had heard me talk about it during a panel at yeah. one of these conventions. And he asked to buy it. And I took 
a year to answer them because I was probably like six hours of work from finish pulling the trigger on publishing it. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. I kept them waiting forever. And finally, I agreed because um, they're a small press. And uh, one of the realities of working with a small press is that um, they're not... They're not bringing in a lot of readers, right? So the math is, um, for those of you who care, uh, I get 100% of my royalties if I publish it. If they publish it, I'm splitting the royalties with them, but they're probably not bringing any sales. Any sales they bring are relatively insignificant. So what I'm looking at is, is the royalty cut I'm giving them worth everything else. The cover, the editing, um, the prestige of being able to say I didn't self-publish, I was picked and went through the, the normal traditional publishing method. And I finally decided after a while that, uh, yes it was, to me, getting a really good cover, not having to deal with the cover thing, uh, getting um, going through a professional editing, um, and all of that was, and most of all, that was right when the self-publishing was just sweeping over these conventions. Right, right, right. And being able to say that my books were traditionally published just told people that it had gone through somebody other than me and my mother for whether or not it was a good book, right? So I, thought, I decided that was good enough for me. So I published the first three books, and then my uh, publisher started to struggle a little bit. So I just recently asked for all the rights back. And so I'm re-self-publishing them and I'm going out forward. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for me. I lost a lot of royalties on the first three to them, but I got a great editor out of it because he yep. freelances, so he's going to stay with me. Um, I'm going to self-publish on the these and then go keep self-publishing going forward. And um, I got the method down, so I mean, there was never any question the, the, the others wouldn't get published because Honestly, it's not them anymore that's rejecting them. It's the professional humorist in my writer's group that's <laughs> deciding whether or not these books are funny enough for me to go forward. And um, so uh, I'm getting the best of both worlds. I can still say they were professional, they were went through traditional publishing, yeah. but I'm getting all the money now. Well, that's, so. that's a nice thing to have. Yeah. So um, with respect to someone else trying to break into writing now, what kind of tips or advice would you provide? Uh, Howard Taylor... I don't know who, I, I, he might have taken this from somebody else, but Howard Taylor likes to tell uh, about the, the grizzly bear soup recipe, right? Step one, kill a grizzly bear. Step two, right? <laughs> so <laughs> step one is write a book so good that it can't not be published. Uh, and once you do that, um, everything else becomes much easier. Um, there are so many different ways. My friend Dan Willis likes to say that it's hard to tell you how to get into publishing because he's convinced that every time somebody finds a way in, they close up that hole behind them. Um, because everybody has a different story. Sure. You know? uh, but write a really, really good book. Um, Do you see any value in like the short story, like with Writers of the Future as a... See, Writers of the Future is a good one because it gets you a professional publication. Uh, the thing about short stories in general is that uh, the skill doesn't necessarily translate. Right. So it's a good way to learn 
craft of um, narration and so on and so forth, but it's not a good way to learn to write a novel. Sure. And so it doesn't matter how many short stories you write, an agent isn't going to believe that you can write a novel until you show them a great novel. Right. So, um, it's, but it is a good way to start building an audience if you're really good at it. If you can write a lot of great short stories uh, and get an audience that way, that's a great way to bait it. Honestly, if you can get an audience, that is the best thing. Larry Korea broke into the thing by uh, getting a lot of uh, momentum on gun boards, writing a book that was a love story to people who love guns. Um, there was also a rollicking action adventure, and then everybody who knew him from these gun boards bought it, and it was so big that Bain had to pick it up because he had a ready-made audience. They would have been yeah. stupid not to. So um, anything you can do to have a ready-made audience is going to like get an agent's attention. Yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. Now, what do we have to look forward to from Robert J. Defendi? Well, book, I have written books four through six in the Death by Cliche series. Um, I have a book sitting at Bain that's been there for a long time, but it hasn't been uh, picked up. Um, so I have several things, several irons in the fire like that. Um, so the thing you can be sure is going to happen is the next few Death by Cliche books. I should tell you what they're about. Death by Cliche is about a game designer uh, who gets shot in the head by a loony fan and ends up in the worst game of all time. Um, obviously, it's autobiographical. Um, <laughs> and so the sequels, uh, The Wrath of Khan and Boldfinger, are uh, his continuing adventures in this game world where he's basically living in the hell created by the person who killed him. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, just being subjected to terrible, terrible game fiction. So if you love gaming, you'll love it. If you love fantasy, you'll love it. Because I send up all sorts of uh, tropes, uh, cliches. I just have a lot of fun making yeah. fun of things. Oh, good. So um, I guess this wrap Anything that you'd like to say for the aspiring writer? Again, this is Senses Rise to Future podcast. Anything you'd like to say for them? Because you had your own experience with it. And I got it what you're saying about it's short fiction isn't the same as novels by any shape or form, but um, I know that Kevin Anderson and a few others said they learned how to meet deadlines and how to to start when they weren't you know motivated sometimes. David Gerald gives my uh, favorite advice. He says, uh, your first million words are practice. Um, and just remember that. Remember your first million words of practice and not be stressed when things are not necessarily going well during them. Um, now, if you, when you finish your books and your short stories in those first million words, practice submitting them. And if somebody is foolish enough to buy one of your practice stories, practice cashing the check. And if somebody wants to give you an award for one of your practice stories, practice accepting. But never forget that they're practice and you're, and you're still practicing for your first million words. Wow. Okay, well, thank you very much, Robert. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by L. Ron Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Yeah.